0: Today is September the 21st, and our chapter for today is chapter 3. Actually, we're going to do two podcasts on this 21st day of September. It's the beginning of fall. It's a brand new year, and so we're going to do something just a little bit different. I'm going to catch us up because as I introduced the book of Romans, I gave you the outline, the very first podcast on Romans. And then yesterday, I just gave you a brief overview of chapter one. And so what I want to do is finish that up because there's a topic dealing with homosexuality that I want to talk about in light of the rest of the chapter. And then we're going to do chapter two. And then I'm going to do another podcast for this day, the 21st. That will be separate that will catch us up with chapter 3, which is the chapter reading for today. So this will give you another podcast to listen to when you can get caught up, and I hope you will, and follow along. I want to do the very best I can to help you to deal with this important book the Book of Romans. When I left us last, we were in uh, verse 23 of chapter 1. I want to just hit the last part of this briefly, go to chapter 2 for this one podcast, and this will be chapters 1 verses 24, the end of chapter, and chapter 2. And then the second podcast for September the 21st will only cover chapter 3. Therefore, God also gave them up. Who is them? Those who have chosen to sit upon the truth of God, to suppress it, to hold it down, knowing that God is who He said He was, knowing that there is someone greater than themselves, but instead of glorifying God, that he is, giving God His worth and His value, and instead of being thankful and grateful that God's given life and God's given freedom and God's given all that He has, they did not glorify Him as God, that is, those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Their foolish hearts were darkened. Their thoughts were empty. Professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made by corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Now, this is very important. It's amazing to me how dark and how quickly a man can go astray. Now, think about it. The prophet said it like this. A man goes out in the forest, and he cuts down a tree, and he cuts that tree, left just say in half. And with half of that, he uh, builds a fire and he cooks his supper and he has wood that has laden within it energy that's burned up in a fire. But with the other half of the tree, he carves a face or an image. And then in front of that fire that he just made with the wood that he cut down, he sets up this image that he's carved out with his own hands. And then he bows down before it and says, you are God. You are my God, and you represent my God, and I made you. In other words, we have come to the point to where we are that foolish, that unwise, that empty in our thinking. And you say, yes, but that's for idol worshipers. Well, what about all of us who do the very same thing in our own foolish hearts and minds, and we begin to worship that, which is the creation rather than the creator, the gift rather than the giver. This is exactly what we do, not just those who are in heathendom, as those of us who are followers of Jesus and those of us who are of the Judaic Christian background, but we act like that ourselves at times. Therefore, because of this foolishness and this moral darkness, God gave them up to uncleanness, who? All who practice this, in the lust of their hearts. Now, the word lust is the word epithumia. Epi is a preposition which means upon, basically, that's the concept. But it is an intensifier upon, 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 up over. And so you have this idea of epithumia. Thumia is the word for heat. It's the word that's translated uh, lust. And what it means, heat upon heat, is the idea of a dog panting. This is what you do with lust. You get without breath, wanting something. And so, therefore, God gave them up to the uncleanness of their own heart and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchange the truth of God for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, this is just what I said to you in the previous sentence. For this reason, God gave them up to vile, that's unclean, Awful of uh, passions. For even the women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust, one for another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. Now, all of you who are listening, who are followers of Jesus, you're expecting me to go off on some tirade about homosexuality. Homosexuality is sin. Period. No one is born a homosexual. It is a lifestyle. It is a choice that you make. If it were not, then you could not be free from it, but you can be, and many thousands give testimony to that. And I know that's not popular to say that. I know it's not the end thing and culturally perfect and correct to say that, but this is what the Bible says, and for those of us who are children of God and claim to be followers of Jesus, the Bible is our final authority. And so you say, yes, amen, preach it. Well, we stop there at verse 27 and don't go into the rest of the chapter. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, who are these they? They are those who are in this category of the foolish of heart, those who are unthankful, those who are ungodly. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And then he goes on to name them. But let me say to you, homosexuality, a woman with a woman romantically and a man with a man romantically is sin. Okay, that's it. It's unnatural. It's against nature. It is not the thing that God designed for male and female. But we are going even far beyond that today. And it's going to bring the judgment of God and has brought the judgment of God upon our nation. But it doesn't stop there. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And what are those things? They were filled with all unrighteousness. That means they did not do the right thing. They were sexual immoral, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, people who have no discernment, they're untrustworthy, you can't depend on them, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice these things are deserving of death, not only do they do those same things, but they approve of those and who practice them. Now, you look at that list from verse 28 and following, and you will see that not just The heathen are guilty of this, but people that are in the church of Jesus Christ, many of us have been guilty of these very things. And I say many of us. I'm including myself in this. And you probably need to search your own heart and see if you're not there, too, because many of those things in there, you say, well, I don't get into homosexuality. I don't get into sexual immorality. I don't get in. Well, what about covetousness? What about maliciousness? What about gossip? What about backbiting? What about whispers? What about Violent? What about proud? What about boasters? What about those who sit around and think of evil things? What about being disobedient to parents? You have no discernment whatsoever. You are untrustworthy. You're unloving. You don't love people unless they love you. You're unforgiving. You're unmerciful. All of those things are in the same categorization. Listen to me. The same categorization as homosexuality. Now, it is against nature that is homosexuality. But all of these other things are against the nature of the child of God, but yet we participate in them. We need to be careful because what we are doing is we're judging others with one hand and we're feeding off the same thing with the other. Be very careful. I wanted to just remind you of that because it's almost like the moment someone wants to talk about homosexuality, which you may not be involved in, that's somewhat of a justifying idea in your mind that you're not involved in that, so you're scot-free to do all of these other things. You're not because the same unrighteous spirit that brings about homosexual behavior is the same spirit that brings about these other things, and that is not glorifying God as God and getting caught up in the creation and the gifts rather than the creator and the giver of all gifts and being grateful. I'll tell you. Anyone who has an ungrateful spirit is headed down this path of ungodliness and unrighteousness of verses 28 and following. Gratitude is the key to the Christian life. I'll say it again. Gratitude is the key to the Christian life. Understanding who God is understanding what he's done and being grateful to God for all that he's done for us. And so this is what Paul is writing to the people at Rome and saying, listen, wake up. This is a very important thing because what you don't want to do is so bring such a reproach on the name of Christ that people cannot tell you and the way you live and the way you talk and the way you form your habits that you're any different than a lost man. This is what happened at Corinth to the Christians. Were they still Christians? Yes, Paul called them saints, but he said, you act like lost men, you live like lost men, you're so carnal, you're dominated by the flesh. and that's why so many of you are miserable. Now, chapter two, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. You need to be careful. When you're judging others and condemning others, because many times those who judge others so censoriously and critical are indeed involved in the very kinds of things, or worse, that they're accusing others of and condemning others of. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against all who practice such things. What things? Everything he just mentioned in chapter 1. The evidence is of a heart that is ungrateful, evidences of a heart that is worshiping the creation and the gifts and looking for that more than giving glory to God. Now, let me just say parenthetically that we have to guard against this in the church of Jesus Christ in our modern day, because what we are seeing is a rise in consumer Christianity. Did you hear me? Consumer Christianity. People are going from church to church and leaving this church, leaving that church, not because it's doctrinally impure, but because they're looking for something as to what the church can offer them. Well, they'll go in and shop a church like they're shopping for a car. They'll shop a church like they're looking for a a gymnasium or a workout facility. Well, what can you do for me? What are the benefits of me joining this church? And what am I going to get for my money and what I give? Well, what most people give, and I'm talking about most, by research, only about 20% give 10% of their income to God, and I'm being very, very generous. So 80% of the people don't even give 10% of their income to God, but what they want is with very little investment to get a great return. And that's just not the way it works with God, because you see, God sees. And when you are going to a church, you need to look for a church that's preaching and teaching the Word of God. And I'm not just talking about Jesus saves every Sunday. Now, please understand what I'm saying, and I don't want to be misquoted here. Jesus saves is critical. Jesus saves is important. Jesus saves is and must be preached. But Jesus saves is not the entire Bible. And what we've done is we've created a bunch of babes in churches that know very little about the Word of God. They have very little discernment. That's why you have millions upon millions of voting for the most pro-abortion president that the United States has ever seen in the last election. This is why you have a person that is an avowed socialist that is running our country today simply because there's not a discerning spirit to understand that socialism is nothing more than soft communism, and the two end up the same way, and that is anti-God because it is anti-God by its very nature. We have people that cannot even discern between BLM and social justice. Social justice is in the Scriptures. BLM and the communistic platform upon which they stand, anti-God is not in the Scriptures. But there's no discernment. Because we have lost our minds. We've lost it. Why? Because we have no moral base, the word of God from which to reason and think any longer. And so the Bible teaches in chapter two that we, even as those of us who know the judgment of God, that it is according to truth and against those who practice such things, the things that were mentioned in chapter one. And do you think this, O man, that you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? You see, it doesn't matter what we do on the outside as much as what God sees in the heart. Oh, it's important what we do outwardly, but if what we're doing outwardly is contradicted by what we are and who we are inwardly, who do you think knows that God does? God knows the heart. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance of His long-suffering? That means long-suffering is a word which means long-burning, macrothumia, long-burning, got a long fuse. Aren't you glad God's got a long fuse that He bears up for us, not knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance? You see, because God's so good to us, sometimes we take advantage because God doesn't judge us, and we're not realizing that God is being good to us, so we'll repent. You see, God wants to be good to us. As his children, God wants to be good to us. God is even good to those who are shaking their fist in the face of God or he would struck them dead. But he says in verse five, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, when lacking in repentance, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each man according to his deeds. Now, that doesn't mean we're saved according to our deeds, but we will be judged according to our deeds and eternal life for those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. That is, those who love God, those who want to honor God, they are doing the right thing. That's evidence. That's evidence that there is a reality on the inside. But to those who are self-seeking, you're just wanting to heap glory on yourself and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. What I want you to understand is that the gospel is to the Jew first and then to the Greek, but the judgment of God and the wrath of God is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it goes both ways. You see, to whom much is given, much will be required. You and I are children of God, and when we look at people who do not follow God, who do not love God, who are not followers of righteousness, who do not seek the righteousness of God, but go about to establish their own righteousness, Paul goes into that in verses 17 and following and says, just because you're circumcised, that's not enough. Just because you are a Jew, that's not enough. Just because you keep the law, that's not enough. Because you see, not only are the heathen condemned, but the Hebrew is condemned as well. Because if the heathen goes about to establish his own gods, then those who are Jews go about to establish their own righteousness by making up a framework of law that they can keep and always making ways where they can get around the actual keeping of the law and they keep the letter of the law maybe, but not the spirit of it. The apostle Paul who wrote this is the very example of that. You say, well, how do you say that? Well, he said that he was without reproach concerning the law, but yet he stood while a man was murdered, being stoned to death, while he saw that he had done nothing worthy of death. It's uh, Stephen, as the Apostle Paul recounted his own conversion experience, that he stood and held the coats of those and oversaw the death of an innocent man. Now, I would say you can keep all the parts of the law and the dictates of the Talmud all you want to, but if you've got blood on your hands, God sees the blood on your hands, that covers up all of the good that you've done. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And we'll see that in the book of Romans. And so the Jews are guilty. The Gentiles are guilty. Everyone is guilty. And Paul goes into that in great detail in chapter three. For On the Way, this is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Chris.